0: For a good while, I made references to the place that I was saved and how I was saved many years ago. And then I got it in my mind that I was finally wanted to go and revisit that place again. Go to a place that I had not been to inside the building where it occurred uh, for, for many years. I don't even know how long, it's, how long it has been, 40 years probably. Since I've been inside that building. When I was saved in that church and became a member of it, it uh, was a thriving Pentecostal church. And then in future years, it grew so much they bought land out in the edge of town and built a new, uh, new church out there, a great large church, and sold this uh, property to an African American congregation, a Seventh day Adventist congregation. The same congregation has had that building all these years. When my brother and I went up there, and he knew I was there for that purpose, he had reached out to contact those people ahead of time. They provided a gentleman who was a member of their church, who was a very nice, very congenial person, who went and opened the church for us and let us go in and uh, was very kind to stay and wait with us as long as we wanted to do anything we wanted to take all the time we wanted to there. And, And I appreciated that hospitality a great deal. When I walked into church, I realized it was the same place. It had a little bit, little bit different something. They put a little different carpet on the floor in all those years. And, but the pews were just in the same place they had been. The platform was in the same place it had been. The side that they had enlarged the building when they put a new addition on it that they called, back in those days, they called that the annex, kind of the overflow for people to sit in. And all of it was there just the same. I walked around in the building and it, it seemed like nothing had changed over the passing of the years. But it was an exciting time for me. And I'll share some of the reasons with you why that's true. I've often said that when the Lord saved me as a teenage boy, he not only saved my soul, he saved my life. And I believe that's true. I, I, I had no background in. Of spiritual knowledge or spiritual teaching, scriptural knowledge, teaching about the Lord whatsoever until within the months of the time that the Lord saved me. I had, no, I had nobody in my family who went to church and therefore I didn't go to church. Not only that, I, I don't think I ever heard the name of Jesus spoken in my home until after my mother was saved a few months before I was. I don't think I ever heard a reference to God in in any spiritual way in in all of those years of growing up. all All I knew was the world around me as I knew it. I knew a good bit about Red Rider and Superman, but I didn't know anything about Jesus. They gave me the comic books to read, but they didn't give me a Bible to read. And I never heard... In all of my life, I never heard but one time up until I was a teenager, I never heard but one time that Jesus loved me. And that time was when I was maybe seven or eight years old. little Methodist church right across the street from where I lived was having a vacation Bible school. And they decided to go all through the neighborhood and recruit all the kids to go that they could get. And I was one of the ones they recruited. I didn't go to study the Bible. I didn't go to learn about Jesus because I didn't know that's what they were going to do. When they said vacation Bible school, they might as well have said to me the University of Florida. It meant nothing to me. But they said they were going to serve refreshments. They were going to have Kool-Aid and cookies, and you know that was a treat for us back then. I know it doesn't mean anything now, but but it was special when they said they're going to have they're going to serve cookies and drinks. And so I went for that, and they said they're going to play games, and I went for that. I didn't know anything about it. they were going to say anything about the Bible. It wouldn't have mattered, because if they said we're going to teach the Bible, it wouldn't have mattered, because I didn't know anything about it anyway. It wouldn't have turned me off, because what is So what? But I went to that little Methodist, that little Methodist church, Vacation Bible School, and somewhere in that time, the teacher of that Bible school said to all of us little boys and girls there, said, Jesus loves you, and he was crucified for you. I, I, I didn't know what that meant. It, re- it meant very little to me. It must have made an impression because I remember From all those years ago, I remember that. And this was the beginning of God dealing with my life, to call me into his kingdom. I went home. I remember walking. All I had to do was walk across the street from the church to go home, walking across the street and they had told us about the Roman soldiers crucifying him and all that they'd given us that whole story and they said that he died for me I walked across that street thinking in my childlike way or childish way I was thinking I wonder if, he hadn't, if they hadn't crucified him I guess they'd be coming over to my house to get me and crucified me because they said he was crucified for me in my place that's just how ignorant I was It's hard to believe today, isn't it, that any of you, your children, would ever know as little as that about the Bible or about the things of God. And yet that was exactly what my life was. And ongoing for years after that, nothing else ever happened. I played baseball in a, in a, in a, 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 a kind of a, a school baseball diamond. It was nothing official, believe me. They would just put something out of some bag or something with a base. It was just a place where kids gathered to play. I played there in the summers and afternoons, almost every day. And I was was about, at that point in time, I was maybe about one block or a block and a half from this church that uh, was on the street that ran into the school, this church building, was at that time called the Oak Street, because it was on Oak Street, 214 Oak Street, in Goldsboro, North Carolina. It was called the Oak Street Pentecostal Holiness Church. For several years, I played baseball a a block and a half from that church and never knew that it was there. And if I had known it, I wouldn't have cared. It made no difference to me. So I'm not telling you today that this place is a place of significance. God can save people anywhere... And we're saved by faith and by grace not by a place not by anything else other than that i just show you this today to say some things to you about salvation that i believe are important and are true and i've already said one very true thing i believe i know it's true for me and i know it's true for many others when god saved us he not only saved our souls for many of us he saved our lives because we were on a course of destruction on a downward path and I've wondered many times. I've thought about this so many times. Have you, you ever... I know you have because they show it all the time at Christmas. You've seen the old, old movie, It's a Wonderful Life. And it's about what would happen, what, what the world would have been like if this man hadn't been born. And if he hadn't lived the life that he lived. I've thought so many times... What would things be like for a lot of people today if I had not come to Jesus Christ and he saved me? I can tell you this. My children and my grandchildren have a great heritage, not because of me, but because of the salvation of Jesus Christ. If they were my children and my grandchildren born to an unregenerate man who had never come to Jesus, they would never have the lives that they have today. Because they would have grown up The way I grew up, knowing nothing, until Jesus came and invaded an invasion of my life. And when he invaded my life, he made a change. And made me know exactly what the scripture means when it says, If any person is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. And behold, all things have become new. That's 2 Corinthians 5.17. And I will tell you that that's what I experienced when I came to Jesus I knew very little more than I knew that time when I was in vacation Bible school. A little bit more because my mother had persuaded me to start going to Sunday school after she got saved. And I did. But after Sunday school, I would leave and go home. never stayed for a church service. And through a series of events, I was drawn into a church on Sunday night. And that very church right here, I was drawn into a church on Sunday night. And the reason I'm doing this today is because all those years ago, that happened on August the 6th. Today's August the 2nd. Thursday's August the 6th. I said before, August is a powerful month for me. I was saved in August. I got married on the August the 6th, the same day that I was saved. I don't know if we planned it that way. It just worked that way. That's my anniversary. Mine and Carolyn's anniversary will be 55 years this August, on this Thursday. So... applaud for her she's the one that put up with me (laughs) but but it's a it's a it's a a powerful month i was baptized in the holy spirit in in august i have uh i have my granddaughter a wonderful granddaughter who was born in august i have a wonderful daughter who was born in august they're here this morning and uh And uh, It's it's a stupendous month, and I know there there are other things. that's, That's not what's relevant or important, but I'm just telling you, this is one of the reasons I chose today to present this. Some of you have asked me about that because I said several things about it when I was preaching and teaching in previous weeks before I went up there and when was I going to show these and I'm showing, it, I'm showing these things today not just to give you a personal testimony I'm showing them today and telling you about this because I want you to know that the power of Jesus Christ makes a difference in a life and he will make a difference in your life you know that, many of you but some of you aren't really sure of that. Some of you started this walk and you didn't continue with it. And I'm telling you even now that no matter what part of your life you're in, if you need a transition that Jesus Christ can bring you by his grace, he is perfectly ready and perfectly able to do that even today. Thank God. Thank God that's true. So in this this church, by the way, it was... uh, (laughs) that's the cornerstone of that church that that building was put up in 1900 you can't maybe see it from there but that white cornerstone over there beside me it says Pentecostal Holiness Church February 27th 1900 I was not there for that <laughs> but, but but quite a number of years later I went into that church for the first time and and I, 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 on that Sunday night, what I remember so well on that Sunday night that I was saved on August the sixth, heat of the summer, before air conditioning was prevalent. I know it's hard for some of you to believe that we had days when we didn't have that. There actually was a time when we didn't have uh, air conditioning. We didn't have uh, um, we didn't have television. We didn't have cell phones. We didn't have well, come to think of we didn't have much of anything. Uh, by today's standards, but it was a full time in a lot of ways too. So, so uh, on that August sixth, on that hot, sultry, sticky summer night, and the pastor preached a message that I came to hear out of pure curiosity and nothing but curiosity. The spirit of God got hold of my heart at the end of that service when we asked people to come to be saved, and when he asked for people to come to be saved, I walked forward and I came through a, 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 this little area of this church. If you can see the, the altar railing that curves here, this down in the lower part that curves here, walked right past that altar railing and right on into through a door that led into another room. There wasn't room for people to pray at that altar. The church was crowded. It was a growing, thriving church. God's Spirit was moving. There, weren't, there wasn't enough room to pray at the altar. So they had a large prayer room. For people to go into. And that's what they asked us to do. If you wanted to be saved. Go into this prayer room. I walked around that curved altar. Like I was coming straight ahead. And walked into the prayer room. And this is where I wound up when I, when I got there. Where I'm standing right there. There were no pews in it at that time. There were just little metal folding chairs. And not many of them. But right where I'm standing. At that point right there. Is where I was kneeling On August the 6th, that Sunday night, when God saved me. And you know what I found when I was standing there with that picture taken? I didn't, I thought I'd be emotional about it. I didn't have any emotion about it really at all. I just said, well, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm so glad this happened. But I didn't say much else other than just stand there and, 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 and remember. Because, you know, it doesn't really matter this is a sentimental thing for me. And it was nostalgia that took me back there. It was not... I didn't have to make a spiritual journey back there to renew my salvation. I didn't have to go back there to be sure I got saved if that place was still there so I could identify it. I didn't have to do any of that. It was just nostalgia. It was just sentimentality. But I was glad to be there and glad to remember because it did remind me clearly what God had done for me all those years ago and what's important today, my friend, is not where you are. You don't have to get to this altar. God can save you where you're sitting in this congregation this morning. You don't have to get inside this church. God can save you between the car and here. I've known people who got saved running in a fast car with people chasing them, shooting at them. Got saved in the car. Saved and baptized in and the Holy Spirit. And, I, and because they really knew how much they needed it, I'll have that person come and give their testimony here sometime maybe. I know people who got saved because they thought they were drowning and in the midst of drowning, crying out for the Lord to get saved. Well, then they got pulled out of the water and just found out they had to go on living for the Lord because they didn't let them die once they got saved. I mean, you can be anywhere to get saved. I know people who got saved in all kinds of circumstances and all kinds of situations. What's important is this is what the Bible says, that if we confess with our mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord... And believe in our hearts that God has raised him from the dead, we'll be saved. For with a mouth, confession is made to salvation, and with a heart, we believe for regeneration. We're brought to him in salvation by our confession, by our repentance, by our faith in Christ, and the grace of God makes all of that possible. That's our salvation. So, said, no location is sacred for us to be saved The important thing is that the power of the cross is everywhere. The power of the cross is right here today. This altar is the power of the cross is here. The power of the cross is in these pews. The power of the cross is located right here in this place today. So if you need a mighty touch from God, if you need to know that your sins are forgiven, that you're a child of God today, the power of the cross makes that possible. Jesus who died there, anointed that cross with his own blood, makes it possible for you to be saved today and come to an everlasting knowledge of salvation in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, so, so I was, I I, I went in and got, Carolyn asked me, please, did they not to describe this the way I've described it before. But the truth of the matter is, when I got saved, it was so emotional for me. Now, everybody doesn't have to get saved this way. I'm telling you my experience so I can also say at the same time, you don't have to be saved this way. You do have to be saved by grace, by faith, through the blood of Jesus, confessing and repenting of your sins. You have to be saved that way. But you don't have to experience what I experienced. I needed it. I've always thought the reason God saved me in such a powerful way is because he knew I was going to need it. I'd be so weak along the way, I'd have to remember that yeah, I really did get saved. The devil would never be able to convince me I didn't get saved. He gave me such a powerful experience. He, the devil could never convince me I wasn't saved. He almost convinced me I wasn't baptized in the Holy Spirit after I was, but he never could attack me on salvation because I had such a tumultuous experience, internally tumultuous experience, he, he, I could never doubt it. It it was so powerfully and so emotional that I cried and sobbed and wept and this is where she said, please don't tell it the way you've told it before. So some of you may remember what I said and she, she said, the way you've told it before is just uncouth, don't tell it that way again. But it's true, that's what happened and the people had to come kept bringing me their handkerchiefs that we didn't have boxes of kleenex like we are so modern today yeah we had nice conveniences they didn't have that then but they kept bringing me handkerchiefs because i was just flowing over from the eyes and the nose and everywhere and they kept bringing me their handkerchiefs and i'd hand it back to them god help them i didn't i didn't say it i'm just letting you that's the way it was it was that powerful an experience And, and 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 friends what i what i want you to know out of that is that you can know you're saved you can know it you can know it once you come and make the decision for Christ it doesn't matter what the emotion is with it if you make that decision for Christ that on the basis of God's word you've given yourself to him and the Holy Spirit has spoken to your heart you're now a child of God you've said a sinner's prayer you've cried for re- out in repentance and asked God to save you when that happens you come to Christ you don't have to have an emotion to go with it if you cry tears, good, great if you feel something inside that just kind of rumbles it wonderful. But no matter what, it is by faith that you're saved. By grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. I remember it from all those years ago because I'm standing right there. And then, and then after I was saved, they told me that I needed... Well, first they told me I needed to be sanctified... Uh, and I thought I was, and I got. It. What happened was, they told me I needed to be sanctified, and I said I was because they told me my next experience was sanctification. But sanctification was supposed to make you not want to sin anymore and take sin completely away from you, so you never desired to sin anymore. It didn't happen that way with me. So after a while, I realized I really wasn't sanctified, even though I said I was. But I said because they told me if I I was supposed to say it, and I said it. But then it didn't take me long to realize I really wasn't sanctified. I could say a few things about some of you in the same nature, but I know that I'm not alone. But but I do know this too. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit and as you begin to walk in the Spirit and live by the Spirit, you will grow into a sanctified life. You will grow into holiness and the fullness of God and the purity of God because your heart being pure will produce pure fruit to the blessing and the glory of God as the Bible says it will. It won't happen like that, but it'll happen if you walk with him. So then I got baptized in the Holy Spirit at this spot right here, that little curved altar, on a, on a Wednesday night, because they told me I'd be baptized in the Holy Spirit. How many of you here today have ever been baptized in the Holy Spirit according to Acts 2-4? You have. You know that you have. Raise your hand. Okay, you have. Wonderful. I just want to make sure you know what I'm talking about. Some of you don't know quite, but you can know because God will help you to come to understanding on, it, and God will reveal and show you all of this. They told me I needed to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, when you were telling me things like that in those days, I didn't really know anything about that. So they said, you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I said, what's that? And they said, then they told him, explained it to me, you know, speaking in other languages. You know, and I wanted that. What I, I want, I'll, But the thing was, when God got hold of me, I wanted everything. I find this is one thing I find a little bit hard to comprehend today a lot of people get saved and it doesn't seem to make much difference to them but when I got saved it changed my life it totally it turned me around it just it made me a different person I'll tell you and, and, and I know this is not the mark of anybody's salvation necessarily but I will tell you in all honesty when that happened to me I went to church not because I was supposed to go I went because, because I wanted to go when they had an open they opened the door. We had church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Sunday school before Sunday morning church, Wednesday night church. I was there. Every time they opened the door, I was there. They didn't have to tell me I was supposed to go. I knew that I did and didn't want to miss going. Now, you don't have to do all that to be saved, but I will tell you something doing all those things will help you stay saved. Just saying. <laughs> and so and so And so I got down, I I came to this little place, that spot right there, just that side of the pulpit, right there. There was a little pad, it's not there now, it was a little green kneeling pad, something like this. A little pad to kneel over there. And they told me if I would kneel there and pray and praise the Lord, I'd get the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And that's all they told me. They didn't really tell me how to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. They just said if you'll just raise your hand and praise the Lord and keep on praising the Lord, you'll receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I tried one time, it didn't work. Tried another time, it didn't work. Tried one time after that. I don't know, I tried several times, it didn't work. Every time I went to church, I went to the altar to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I did just what they told me to do. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And that's what I did. I just did I did because I didn't know anything else. I was not taught the right way to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If, you need to, if you're saved and need to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, I'd love to teach you how to receive the baptism in the Spirit. But it wasn't the way I received it. But you know God is so merciful. Sometimes we do things in ignorance. He helps us and blesses us anyway. So I was seeking the baptism in the Spirit in the wrong way, but God honored it because this, and I'm, when I finally got to this place on this particular Wednesday night, I'm going to try to make this brief. <laughs> On this Wednesday night, I finally got to the altar to seek the bad. I couldn't wait for him to get through. I wanted to get up there and start. Get, I wanted to seek the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I wanted it. I wanted it. So I got down and knelt down at that little altar and I began to pray. And after a while, have you ever felt like you're making a journey and you got so close to where you're going, you're not sure you can still get there, but you've come so far you don't want to turn around and go back? I felt like I'd got so far in seeking the baptism in the Holy Spirit, I didn't want to quit. I didn't want to give up. I thought the next time I'd have to start all over again. That wasn't true, but I didn't know any better. So, so I thought that. So finally I said, and this is, this is dangerous. I, I don't recommend this to anybody. In fact, I tell you not to do this. I'm just telling you how ignorant I was. See, just because I got saved didn't change me from being ignorant. There's still a lot of stuff I didn't know. There's a lot of stuff I still don't know today. So there's a lot of stuff I still didn't know. But So I'm in the altar. I'm seeking God. I'm crying out for God to baptize me in the Holy Spirit. And, and, and finally, I've, I, you know, I've said, praise the Lord, 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 praise <gasps> the Lord. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Why? Because that's all I knew to do. That's what they told me. So you may have received the baptism the same way. A lot of you did because most people back in those days, they did. But that's all right. That's all right. It's, it's just as real. No matter what you go through for it, the experience is just as real. If you had the experience, it's real no matter how many mistakes you made getting there. Because God knows how to overcome them. And so I, I'm, I'm praying and praising God to be baptized in the Holy Spirit now. And it's getting late. It's getting late tonight. And I know there's only about three people there. A couple of ladies are waiting with me there. And the pastor, the pastor lived right next door. And I, I kind of hear him walking in and out. And later on they told me he'd go over and get a cup of coffee and said, well, I need to come back. Because he had to close up the church. <laughs> so he's wanting me to get out of there. So he close up church and go to bed. And I wouldn't leave. And finally, I think he was sitting there when I said, kneeling at the altar, draped over that altar, I said, Lord, I'm not leaving this place until you baptize me in the Holy Ghost. And I know he must have said, oh, no. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And I'll tell you, don't, I don't ever recommend anybody do that. I was just so determined that I wasn't going to quit that I just kept on anyway. So... So I stayed and stayed and stayed, and finally, finally, the Lord began to speak through me. The Holy Spirit came in me, and the, the only thing I knew at that time that was the evidence of the Holy Spirit was speaking in other times. I didn't I know there were other evidences at that time. I know today there are greater evidences than that that you're baptized, but it's the initial first evidence of being baptized in the Spirit. And there should be a lot of evidences and fruit that flows after that to make it clear that you're full of the Spirit and walking in the Spirit. But that's all I knew at the time. So at that time, God baptized me in the Holy Spirit. And, I, and, 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 and it was a glorious experience, a wonderful experience. Most, it was unusual. It was, it was not greater than my experience of salvation. It may be with some people. It wasn't with me. But it was a great experience. It was a powerful experience. And thank God for it. So that's what the Lord, uh, at that very spot right there, all those years ago. It's amazing that things can stay right there just the same. Nothing has changed. If I had never gone back to that spot, never seen it again, it wouldn't change one single thing about my experience. If you don't know where you were saved, I've come to believe this. There was a time I didn't believe this, but I do believe this now. There are people who who just experience salvation. There is a moment when the Lord saves them. But they come to love God and know God and care about the things of God. And and they don't have a way of pinpointing exactly where and how this happened. And so I want to tell you, I know some wonderful Christians who like that with that experience. You may not know exactly where you were forgiven of your sins. I don't want to challenge that by what I'm telling you today, God forbid. I want to tell you, I've learned a lot of things over the years and I've learned that God is so full of variety that his love has a way of getting into our hearts. Sometimes we don't even know it's there. And you may have been saved at a, and, and, and not be able to pinpoint the exact time or the date. I don't want you to let that disturb you to, at all. I want to tell you that if you were saved right now, you know it. You know it. It's settled with God. Because I believe. It's not because of what you feel. It's because of what you believe. You know that that's happened to you. And you don't let anything in the past disturb you from that, anything that makes you think, well, I'm not sure that I remember when, I'm not sure I remember where don't you let that shake you from your faith in Jesus Christ. If you've planted your faith in him and he's your savior, you know that he died for you and you've accepted that by faith. It doesn't matter if you remember exactly the moment in time or the place. It matters that it's real and it's real to you if God's done something in your life. That's a change that God makes that never, never can be taken away from you by the devil and you will live with that in the glory of God because you're saved by the grace of God and the blood of Jesus Christ. For me, for me, you know, I, I, I say that the reason things happened to me the way they did because God, if I feel like God knew I was going to be so weak over the years, I'd have to look back and, and have an experience I could never deny. And there, I think there's a lot of truth in that. But God has helped me have that. And, and, and no, no, the important thing now is not where or when. That may be great, and I don't challenge... I'm, I hope you had an experience like mine. But if not, what matters is that you know Jesus now. And if you don't know him now, the wonderful thing about Jesus is no matter how long he's been waiting for you, he's still ready to receive you. If you haven't received him yet, this is the time. This is the time today Jesus make himself known to you. So I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then I thought God was calling me to preach. And... There, there, there are two. There are things that will happen that will test our faith. As, as young Christians, your faith will be tested, and you need to make the right decision going forward with Christ to solidify that decision with Him. Just too Very quickly, I had a, I had an invitation to go to a major uh, theatrical production. Leave home at my, in my uh, between my senior year, my junior year, and my senior year. And, and and spend the summer at this place, and it was a, I thought it was something really great. It was a it was a, a production of the Lost Colony in Manteo, North Carolina, which was the, really the grandfather of all the outdoor dramas. Still, powerful, prevalent today, a major attraction, on the coast of eastern North Carolina. I had an invitation to go and play, take a, take a significant part of that. Something unheard of for a high school kid, but there are reasons all that came about. And I, I kind of, I thought I wanted to do it, and I started seeking God, and, and I realized, I've looked back on it many times, I realized this was a place of decision. Now, you could do something like that today and come out and say that you played a leading role in the Lost Colony, and you'd get invited into churches to tell about it. In my day, if you did that, your chances were that people would say, oh, you're backslidden already just by going in there and being in it. it was a different day. But, but... When I prayed about it, and I prayed about it and sought God, God, help me to see. The Lord opened up a scripture to me in Proverbs, and I read it. One, one day, I'm praying about it. I'm talking with a couple of friends mine about it, and they told me to pray and seek God. I was praying and seeking God. I opened up the scriptures, and I read these words in Proverbs. My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. You know, how many times have you ever opened the Bible and read something and you knew God was speaking to you and you wish it hadn't happened? <laughs> Lord, I was, I was saying, speak to me, Lord, but that's not what I wanted you to say. <laughs> but it was what he said. And so I had a choice now. I could go ahead and take that part or I could hear what God was saying to me. I think it made a difference in the course of my life when I said, Lord, I'll take your way. I'll just do what you want me to do. And I told him no. And the person that was leading me, wanting me to come and take that part, he couldn't understand. He said, What in the world? It's a chance of, you just, for what you think you want to do with your life, it's a chance of a lifetime. You will never get another opportunity like this. And all I could say was, No, I know it's not the right thing for me to do. He wasn't a spiritual man. He really didn't even tell him the Lord told me not to do it. I would have really looked, he wouldn't even have believed that. I just said, No, I know it's not the right thing for me. Right? Now. But God spoke to me, and the other thing was, I was graduating from high school, and this is important for you to know now. For you, not for me, to know what happened to me. It's important for you to take it as a guidepost in your life. I was getting ready to fin- finishing my senior year of high school, and I was offered a full four year scholarship at a prestigious private university in North Carolina. It all paid for. And as I discussed it with the principal of the school who was telling me about the offer, I asked him what the people would want. He said, I think they, they know you're going into the ministry. They, they'll, they will want you to continue in the ministry. I said, well, they want me to preach in their church? He said, oh yes, I'm sure they will. Now, they have, it's a great church. I have nothing against it. It's it's, it's, a, it's called the Society of Friends. It, the Quakers, the Society of Friends. Not as prominent. Now in those days in Goldsboro, it was a very, very prominent church in, in my hometown. People on the faculty of the school, several members of the church on the faculty of the school. Very well-known people in the town, members of that church. The official name Society of Friends, better known as the Quakers. And uh, good people, good people. But he said to me, they'll want you to preach, and they're expecting you to to be ordained in their church man I mean four year scholarship I didn't have a dime to go to school with then I, all I all I found to go to school I'd be scraping up digging up scraps to find leftover pieces of bacon to have breakfast or something Or you know I had nothing to go to school with and here I'm offered a full four year scholarship everything paid all expenses paid I'm going to tell you that was a hard thing to say no to but here's the difference I know some people out of that very same Oak Street Pentecostal Holiness Church who got that offer and took it and became ministers in the Society of Friends. They offered it to me, and I said to them, Thank you. Thank you. It's an honor for your considering me. It's an honor for you to offer this to me. Thank you for having that confidence in me, but I can't do it. When I told that to my high school principal, he said, What's wrong? What's wrong with you? I said, you know very well that I am a member of a Pentecostal church. Now, you know, there's a degree, I'm going to say this, (laughs) there's a degree of respectability about Pentecost today. Maybe not with some of you, but with most people, there's a degree. It's so big now, so worldwide, so full of the news the Baptists have decided that their missionaries can now speak in tongues. It's getting popular. Back in those days when you were Pentecostal, you were still on the wrong side of the tracks. Oak Street wasn't the best part of town where that little church was, was located. No, really, not a good part of town today either. But it, was, it was not good. But I said, no, and I said to my principal, well, you know I go to a Pentecostal holiness church. Boy, just that name. Think about that name. Now, we're assemblies of God. You know, people don't, you say that, unless they people know something, they don't really know much about it. But you say Pentecostal holiness, man, that's like saying, I got a needle here I want to inoculate you with. One's got germs and one's got poison, you know. To the public, I mean, to the public. And so he knew it, though. My principal already knew it. He had already invited me one time to come to speak to his youth at his Methodist church. And then when he found out I went to the Pentecostal Holy Church, he withdrew the invitation. That's true. <laughs> so, so uh, but, but there I was. There I was to make a choice. Was I going to be a preacher who preached the message that the Society of Friends preached? Or was I going to be Pentecostal? Was I going to be walking in the full gospel where God had put me and God had led me? And today, today I am, I am, I can tell you I am happy, rejoicing, and delighted that I made the decision that I made to stay in a Pentecostal organization. I moved from that church to the Assemblies of God many, many years ago. But I'm still, and what I can say today is that I've always been a Pentecostal Christian. Every decision I've had to make, I've always made it decision to stay in Pentecost, and I'm happy about that today. I'm still there. I want to be there when Jesus comes, or when I go to heaven, whatever way I go, I still want to be preaching the full gospel and declaring the power of God and the Holy Spirit, the miracles of God and answers to prayer, and the victory of the Lord that comes with Pentecost. Hallelujah, Hallelujah, Hallelujah! Now, all of this that I'm telling you about today, all of this, you could say this was a series of miracles, or you could say that this was just a great miracle for me, and it was a miracle in my life. I, I, I remind you what I said in the very beginning: that if it hadn't been for God invading my life and Jesus Christ coming into my life, I, I, I was I was only a teenager. But I can tell you, if, if they had had drugs in those days, I'd have been doing drugs. I, I was doing what they did have. And thank God they didn't have everything that young people have to go through today. I don't know if I'd have survived long enough to have got saved. But, I, but, but my life was on a downward course. I don't know where I would have wound up, but I know one thing. It would not have been standing in the power of the grace of God and standing in a pulpit to declare the victory of the Lord Jesus for salvation for everybody who will believe. It wouldn't have been that. And I'm glad, I'm glad today that the Lord found me when he did. Got hold of my life and gave me a miracle. Because that's a miracle with all the failures that I've had and all the mistakes that I've made and all the weakness that I've shown. God has helped me. And God will help you the same way God will help you be victorious to live for him to stay strong because here's what I found out about him my friends I found this all that time I thought so many times I tried to hold on to him you know, I just felt like I was losing my grip so many times over the years I just, I'm trying to hold on to him just, just try and, and, and then one day I don't remember when a long time ago somehow one day the Lord just spoke to me And I know he said in my heart, you don't have to hold on to me any longer because I'm holding on to you. If I had been dependent on my ability to hold on to him, I'd have sunk a long time ago. But the glorious thing about it is you don't have to, it's not your energy to holding on to him. It's the fact that that nail-scarred hand has got a grip on you and he will not let you go. Is it possible for somebody to backslide? I believe it is. Is it possible for somebody to give up their salvation? I believe it is because I believe in free will. But I'm going to tell you this. The further you walk with him, the harder it would be for you to give up. The harder it would be for you to turn back because it isn't up to your strength. He's the one that's holding on to you. He's holding on to you. And you might battle and struggle trying to get free and trying to pull loose. And some of us have. But nevertheless, you can't do it because he's holding on to you. Hallelujah. (laughs) Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. When I stood in that pulpit right there, I found out it was the original pulpit. It was back in the church when I was there. Never thought about that till I got there. That pulpit that you see me standing behind right now, with it, it didn't have that crimson gold piece over it. It was just wood when I preached there. The first sermon I ever preached in church, I preached standing behind that pulpit. Between my senior year in high school and my first year of college, my pastor asked me to preach. And when I preached, God confirmed that he had called me to preach. Because the spirit of God fell the power of God fell people began to stand up and praise God and raise their hands and shout the glory of God run all over the church and, and just praise God the victory, victory time and on that, on that Wednesday night when I preached that first time in church at that pulpit right there I preached on Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 I am crucified with Christ nevertheless I live yet not I But Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Hallelujah. And that's the victory of the Lord. That's the victory of the Lord. Glory to God. Everybody stand with me, please, and bow your heads in prayer. Standing with me and bowed heads in prayer, I ask you to silently pray this morning.